Amen. The more I study the Bible, I see over and over again the aspects of my childlike relationship with my father. And I'm always brought back to the truth that we saw a couple weeks ago that everything that God gives to me as his child is a good thing. And I, I th- I, I, I'm often brought to contemplation about my own children. When I'm in the backyard with my children uh, on a nice spring day that I'm looking forward to, and uh, we have a campfire going and different things like that, and I, I care for them, and because I care for them and I love uh, my, my sons, I will teach them, I, will, I, I teach them to obey me and carefully obey the boundaries that I set up for their protection. My son knows not to go near the campfire. My son knows that there is a boundary that dad has set up to not go near the the front yard, near the street, for obvious reasons. It's dangerous. I I don't want him to get hurt. And uh, even my son, Leland, at two years of age, knows those boundaries. But within the boundaries that his father has set up for him, there is freedom and rest and joy in the presence of the father. There is, there is absolute freedom. My son's obedience to me liberates my son to allow him to enjoy life, to keep living, that's a good thing, and to enjoy the father's love for him. So as we turn now to the book of James in chapter number one, We're going to be looking near the end of the chapter as we take these last two weeks and finish up chapter 1. And last week we looked at the gospel to the saint, the gospel for everyday life. How that when we submit to God's word, how when we are, are swift to hear God's word, when we're slow to speak and slow to wrath, when we embrace that word, when we receive it with meekness, the engrafted word, It is able to save us and save us and save us again. Not being born born again over and over again, but to save us, uh, something called sanctification, save us from ourselves, save us from our pride that would get in the way of our fellowship with God. Your relationship with God, as we're talking about on Sunday night, can never be broken. That relationship that you have, that childlike relationship with the Father, can never go away. But our fellowship is sometimes damaged with the Father when we allow self and pride to come in the way and when we don't respond rightly to God's Word. And today I want to continue that theme as I believe James is continuing it right here at the end of the book of James and deal with a matter that is rooted in the gospel for everyday life. And that is the matter that there is an obedience that God has for us and it's an obedience that liberates Let's look at our text, starting in verse 22. He says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. 
And here James is laying out for his readers the importance of not just hearing the word of God, but being a doer of it. I'm not going to make it complicated this morning. That's exactly what it says. God wants to show us this this morning, that your Father, your Heavenly Father, does not just desire that you hear His Word, but that you do it, but that you obey it. Out of, out of His love for you, He has given us commands in His Word that allow us, we should allow them to transform our lives. So we need to allow God to work in our hearts this morning about not just being hearers of the Word and putting away those words, but being a doer of it. Father, would you uh, work in, in each one of us this morning? Lord, I pray that we would just lay ourselves bare before you and give ourselves to you, put, put ourselves on the altar before you and allow you to put away what you, uh, would, what, what you deem as, as not, uh, not Christ-like. Lord, would you mold us closer to the image of, of the Savior this morning? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we've seen a few verses earlier in this same chapter, every good thing comes from above. Everything that comes from above is a very good thing, a very good thing. And that means the commands of God are good things, good gifts to us, even, even the things that he commands us to do. Look, let's look together at the first point that we see in our text here. But be ye doers of the word. Our Father commands our obedience. But be ye doers of the word. We're not just called to be those who hear the word of God, though that is essential. And maybe for someone here this morning, there has been, you, you come to a Sunday morning service and you hear the word of God this way through, through a preacher but I'm telling you, you need to be hearing the word of God uh, in a personal way as God, not, not, not you reading black words on a white page, but understanding that this is God speaking directly to you. This is something that we need to be pouring over, that we need to be desperate about, and we need to be bathing in if we ever think that our, our minds are going to be renewed uh, and, and molded closer to God. So essentially, we need to hear it, but we're commanded to be doers. This is not a suggestion by God. This is not a preference of your Father. He doesn't just prefer that you do this, but He's okay if you do something else. That's not what this is. This Two things I believe that this is. It's a call to obedience. It is a, it is a call to obedience. Our Father, just like I have in my in my heart, the best interest for my son, that he doesn't get hurt, that he doesn't uh, damage himself in any way. My heart is that he seeks, is that he has a heart that seeks uh, to love me and, and to, to, uh, to have really true wisdom. Wisdom being that uh, you don't need to know uh, what that thing is. You don't need to experience it without knowing that it's wrong. Dad has set up some boundaries you don't need to find out what the, what the front of a pickup feels like to, to, uh, to know that it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And God here is giving us a call to obedience. He, wants a, he seeks from us a heart that is loving God and seeking to be molded closer to the image of Christ, our Savior. It's secondly, I believe, it's a call to transformation. You say transformation to what? Transformation to be more like the author. James? No. The author with a capital A. To be molded closer, transformed 
to the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who wrote these words down for us, by the way. And we get to read them this morning. We get to, we get to, to have them be engrafted into us. This call to transformation lines up and parallels really closely with Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's the least we can do. And be not conformed to this world, this world system, this world's philosophy, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It uses two being words in, the, in that second verse, saying that we don't do either of those things. We can allow them to happen. Somebody else does them to us. When we say be conformed to this world, we are allowing the world to change our thoughts, our, our viewing habits, our, our, what we believe, what, what our philosophy is, and ultimately what, who and what we think about God and who he is and how we project that to a lost world. But secondly, we can choose to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A transformation work that happens to you is not done by you. It's a choice made by you to say, Lord, I am on the altar and you need to transform me as you see fit. I am literally putting my life on the altar. It's not mine anyway. You bought it and you must transform me. But how does our mind get renewed? It gets renewed by the Word of God, by responding rightly to the Word of God and allowing that to impact our life. And that goes closely here with this point that, that, that we should not, when God gives us a command, it's not just for us to hear or for us to read off of a page. It is for us to do it and for us to, to be obedient. Secondly, with this, this fact that our Father commands our obedience, disobedience, we find, is a deception of ourselves. And we find that in the second half of verse 22. He says, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. How does a person deceive themselves? Well, when we don't obey God's word, when we, when we hear God's word and we do nothing about it, we are deceived because we're telling ourselves that we are following God when we're not. A disobedient Christian is not truly following God. It doesn't mean that they're not saved, it's just be, but they're not being in obedient to God's word. When we hear God's word and do nothing about it, we're deceived because we're telling ourselves that we're in fellowship with God. And a disobedient Christian is not in fellowship or communion with God. It's not that they don't have a relationship with Christ. You never lose your salvation, but there is no genuine fellowship or communion with God there. You might sing, nearer, still nearer. Uh, you might sing, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. You might sing all of those good songs, but when we're not allowing God to touch what we watch, what we think, uh, even what we wear or the, or the priorities that we have, if we don't let God say, we say, God, you can't touch that with a 10-foot pole, am I really going to be in fellowship with God when I come to his word? God, I, 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 I want to be so pouring over this, this book that you've given to me. Your, your, your law of love, your boundaries that you've set up for my life, 
that I can find freedom and joy and, and, and uh, freedom in the presence of your love. But when we don't let God touch the areas of our lives, when we lock them behind hid closets, as that's my preference, that's what I do, you can't touch that, then we have a problem. Because we're being a de- we are literally deceiving ourselves. That is the very definition of someone who has deceived themselves. Someone who will not let God touch who they are or, or what, what they have as priorities in their lives. As James gives us this command from God, he then transitions to a metaphor, a picture, and, and he, that he's helping us to see clearly. So let's look at our second point from the text, and that's found in verse 23. Our Father wants us to see ourselves in the light of his mirror. And this, there's this illustration given by James. Verse 23, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So we're called to be, to, to be those that look into the glass, the mirror of God's word, and not forget what we see. The words from James here are very strong, and very strong in the Greek. If we hear God's word and do not obey, we are deceiving ourselves. And, and walking away from God's mirror and doing nothing about it. And even though these words are strong, they remind us of Jesus' words, who were much stronger in Matthew chapter 7. You can turn there with me if you'd like to. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is teaching a, a group of followers. And he has just spoken to them about various topics, such as, as false prophets, the kingdom of God, the goodness of the Father, And now in verse 24 of Matthew 7, Jesus gives us his own illustration about this same topic of of doing the Father's will, doing what we are commanded to do, and not just hearing it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, if you found it with me. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus' words are even stronger here. The one who hears his word and doesn't do it, God says he likens him unto a fool. Absolutely strong. But James and Jesus are driving home a strong point to us. There are those that hear God's word, and because they are not allowing themselves to be transformed by the word, even though they may be a Christian, they are counted by God as a fool. That's strong. Back to the book of James now, if you go there with me, we see then this parallel illustration that James is giving us under inspiration of God. How that those that only hear the word are like those that look in a mirror and walk away from it. What good is a mirror if you come up? I, 
I will tell you, I, I looked in the mirror this morning and I looked dreadful, okay? I was scruffy, I was, my hair was out of place. Uh, but w- what happens if you were to walk up to a mirror and you notice a dirty face, things in your teeth, uh, just your hair is all messed up, what good is it if you don't comb your hair, wash your face, brush your teeth? The, the mirror is of no good to you. It's not being used to transform your life. God is wanting to transform us from the inside out, and he loves us, and that's why he gives us his word. And this leads us to our final point this morning, and that's found in verse 25 here. Verse 25, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I want you to notice the contrast given here. The one who hears and obeys is like a person who looks in the mirror and changes based on what is simply seen, on what simply is presented before them. They are humble enough to take the walls down and change what is seen. And this is truly what I would call liberating obedience. James refers to God's word in verse 25 as the perfect law of liberty. And that's an interesting phrase because in that phrase, he combines two seemingly contrasting ideas. Where have you ever found in the same sentence, law and liberty? Aren't they something totally different? And here James, under inspiration of God, is trying to get a truth across to us. I believe what's being communicated by this phrase is that true liberty is not the absence of law. True liberty is not the absence of law. Let's go back to the illustration that I started with. In in my backyard, there are boundaries that, that my son has and that he knows about, not to touch the fire, not to go through the front yard into the street. And there is freedom and joy in the presence of the Father when those boundaries are embraced and accepted. We have fun playing on the slide, blowing the leaves around with the, with the leaf blower, all of those things. True liberty is not the absence of law. Perfect law of liberty is what's communicated. True liberty also seeks scriptural transformation. I need to look into this book and I need to allow it to transform me. And that takes humility. That takes saying, God, you're right, I'm wrong. God, you are not the one that tempts me, I am a sinner. I am the one that entices myself to sin, as we saw earlier in this chapter. It takes a humility to say, God, I am laying my life on the altar, and anything that you want to touch, by the light of your scripture, I am allowing you to touch. That is true liberty. True liberty then is loving God and keeping his commandments, as we saw in the book of of John. Let me just read you a few verses from the book of John just to refresh our memory. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Out of my love for Jesus, as as I am walking in the Spirit, and the Spirit is in me, giving me that love for Jesus Christ, I am to keep his commandments. In John 14, just a few verses later, in verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. 
It doesn't mean that the Father stops loving us when we don't do his commandments. No, in fact, in love, he sometimes draws us back. He will, he will chasten us and draw us back to himself in love. We never lose God's love, but we get to experience God's love when we find the, the obedience that liberates. And that's the obedience to his perfect law. John 15, verse 10, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. Jesus did the same thing. He's not asking us to do something that he didn't do himself. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I stay in his love. The idea that James conveys is that I am set free, I am liberated by God's word, not to do my own things, not to do my own will, not to do my own preferences, but rather to obey simply God's word, his perfect law. And it is that power of the word of God that enables us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And that obedience brings absolute freedom. It brings freedom. It brings the joy of the presence of the Lord. And it should be a delight. Psalm chapter 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. That's a simple phrase, uh, phrase sentence there by, by King David of saying, Lord, you've put your law in my heart. I've, I've allowed it to affect me, and I delight to do it. I want to do it. I want to show you that I love you. A life of obedience is not a life of legalism. Let me say that again. The life of obedience is not a life of legalism. Legalism gives only the appearance of spirituality while living apart from the gospel in one's own strength. That's key to understand because oftentimes when we hear uh, someone say, you know, you need to be doing, not just hearing, you need to be doing this, we often think that they're being legalistic. But that's not the true definition of legalism. Legalism is only the appearance of spirituality living apart from the gospel in our own strength. As, as Galatians puts it, it is another gospel. It is something totally different, it's living in a way that, that, that is not pleasing to God. But the obedience that we are called to is an obedience that is rooted in the gospel to the saint. In obedience towards God because I love him, that frees me to enjoy the, the absolute joy of the presence of the Lord and the love that he has designed to shower me with. The good news of the gospel for our obedience is that Jesus, though, though Jesus calls us to obey, he also gives us the power to do it. He gives us the power to obey. And it is this power that we find true blessing and rest. So let's look at that as we end here. Look at the, at the ending of verse 25 here. It says, This man shall be blessed in his deed. And I'm going to read the entire, entirety of verse 25 again. It says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man, this man, shall be blessed in his deed. How do we find such blessing and rest? How do we do this? We, we know blessing is promised. 
But how do we find this? Matthew chapter 11, I believe, shows us. And if you want to turn there, we'll end there this morning. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is again speaking to his disciples, and he wants to give them blessing and rest. He wants to see them obedient to the commands and the will of the Father. And he says, starting in verse 28, verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Read the next four words with me. And learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus comes to his followers and he's saying, yoke up with me. Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is something, a long piece of wood that you put normally over two oxen. And those two oxen then do the work of the owner. They, they, they plow forward and, and plow the field or spread the grain or do what, whatever is needed. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. Jesus is the one that gives us the power to obey. Learn of me. Yoke up with me and you're going to find rest. You're going to find that it's not hard to obey me when you love me. You're going to find that obedience does not bring damage and legalism and, and, and a box. You're going to find that the boundaries of God's word simply bring freedom they bring liberty, true liberty, and they bring happiness in the presence of my king. That's truly what's being communicated here, is that obedience, there's a, an obedience that liberates us, and it's found under the yoke of Jesus Christ. Yoke up with me, partner with me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This should teach us simply that the, there is a burden of living under our own strength. It's too heavy for us to, to, to bear. Trying to obey in our own strength is, is nothing. It, it is not what Jesus wants us to do. But there is a rest in humble surrender. There is a rest that comes in a heart that is submitted to the Lord. And see, what I feel, I feel we, we often misunderstand, we fail to understand, is that the commands of God, as we saw earlier in the chapter, are good gifts. They're not burdens. They're not burdens to us to obey. When we come to God in simple, simple humble surrender and we let our walls down and we say, God, you can change anything you will, there is a joy. There is a joy and a love for God. And the one who simply says, Lord, I, I'm going to yoke up with you. He finds out that when he gets, gets in yoke with Jesus Christ, that his, burdens, his burden is light. That God's blessings are unlimited. And they're, they're there for the one who simply humbly says, Lord, all that I am is yours. Would you transform me by the cleansing power of your word? And I wish to obey anything that you might touch in my life. That's the type of Christian... That, is, that dear Christian is, is the one who finds an obedience that liberates us. Let's pray.